We're going to continue with our holiness series tonight. Um, of course, we've titled the holiness series, Holiness from His Perspective. And uh, 1 Peter 1.16 says, Because it is written, Be, be ye holy, for I am holy. That's a very important verse in the Bible. I read you the echo. That was first written in Leviticus, where God was instructing Moses with the law, and he said, tell the children of Israel, be ye holy. And I'm sure the first thing that hit Moses' mind was, well, why? He said, for I, for I am holy. It establishes a point for you and I. He wants us to be like him. Okay? Some of the things I'm going to talk about tonight, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid, and I've said this quite often here lately, and so you know, you know the drill and what I'm going to say, but there's been so much mercy and grace preaching, and I thank God for his mercy. They're made new every day. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. However, I'm afraid that we have preached it so much that we, it has become an instrument by which we don't guard ourselves as closely as we once did. Because a scripture like this, be ye holy for I am holy, tells us he expects something out of us. He doesn't just expect us to have a moment of salvation, a profession of faith, whatever, whatever. He doesn't, and, and then everything is good. You know, no, it's, it's not that way. It's a daily walk. It's a constant striving for righteousness, for holiness, to be like him. There's nothing that thrills a parent any more than to watch their children emulate them. And the parent sees the child acting like them or saying things the way they would say them, it just brings a smile to your face. Because, you know, for right now, I'm their hero, you know. I feel like the Lord looks at us pretty much the same way. It was very important. This scripture was very important. Be ye holy for I am holy. And I'm afraid in our present society, we're, we're so quick to say, oh, well, his mercies are made new every day. Well, I'll be all right. I, I, don't have to, I don't have to strive for per perfection. After all, uh, the church is always saying that none of us can be perfect, so... But that doesn't mean we don't strive to be perfect. That's, that, there's a difference there between acknowledging we can't be perfect because we're still human and then striving to be perfect. We should. I know I re, I've reached the age of accountability. And you say, well, what's the age of accountability? That's when you get to the age that you know right from wrong. And you do what you know you're supposed to do. 
and you don't do the things that you know you're not supposed to do. But whenever we throw discipline aside and do what the flesh wants instead of what we know we should, I'm wondering if mercy is going to cover that when we willfully walk over God's rule, God's law. Just some, just some thoughts. Be ye holy for I am holy. Be like me, the Lord is saying. The title of last week's study was From the Inside Out. And in that lesson, we spent a lot of time talking about the mouth being the window of the heart. Um, and it is. The mouth is the window of the heart. But tonight, I want to go a little deeper in our quest for holiness from the inside out. This will require a more thorough exploration of the heart and for a better explanation of the inner man. With that said... I have a very important title tonight, From the Inside Out, Part 2. <laughs> While the mouth may be the window of the heart, it is important for us to realize our actions, our deeds, our interaction with others displays what is behind the window. Now, let me say that again, because I don't want you to miss it. While the mouth may be the window of the heart, because the mouth, the mouth can say things. The scripture says the tongue is the most unruly part of your body. Okay? So you can wind up saying things that you never intended to say. But there is something about our actions and our deeds that displays what's behind the window. What do I mean by this? You could be so disciplined, and I've seen people this way. They could be so di disciplined that the words that come out of their mouth would never betray them to ho hold an impure heart. However, their actions and their deeds toward others eventually reveal the true state of the inner man. Do you understand what I'm saying? They guarded their words. And everybody, oh, brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, they're such one. Never hear them say anything bad. But yet as time goes on and life happens, their interaction toward others or their coldness or their, after a while, if you're close enough to them, you realize, whoa, wait a minute. But they're not what, we, what I thought they were. Our actions and our interactions, our love and our care for one another is definitely a part of holiness. When the scribe came to Jesus and asked about the greatest commandment, our scripture calls it the first commandment, this is what Jesus said to him. The first of all the commandments is here, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength, this is the first commandment. And the second 
is like namely this. And right there you want to stop and say, wait a minute. He asked what was the, great, what was the first commandment. If you've answered that, Jesus, you don't need to go any further. But Jesus felt that the second commandment was so close to the first commandment that they both, it, they both stood in tandem together. And he says the second is like namely this. Thou shall love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. I love the rest of this, the next three verses. And the scribe said unto him, Well, Master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself is more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. That is so key because if you can't love God and love people forget all the other stuff you're trying to do and Jesus echoes the truth of that when he says thou art not far from the kingdom of God in fact, the verse says, when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. So yes, I would have to say my interactions, my, my deeds toward others, all of it, yes, this is all part of holiness. It's too important in the scheme of, of Christianity. I, I really don't want to use that word, but... In the kingdom, it's too important in the kingdom to not call it holiness because, as we've already established, without holiness, no man will see the Lord. So if there is something that I can, that I can do that could cause me not to see the Lord, then that thing must be holiness. It must have something to do with holiness because... Right here, we see the picture that if you're not loving others, it's more loving, loving God and loving others more, more than all the other stuff you can do. You can obey all the rules. You can check them off. You can do all those things you want to do. You can, and you can betray everyone around you as to how wonderful a Christian you really are. But when you get to the gate, you're going to hear him say, I don't know you. You can't miss the importance Jesus places on others. Or as this verse says, your neighbor. Let me just go ahead and establish this. Who is your neighbor? Anybody you come in contact with is your neighbor. Whether you know them or whether you don't know them. There are so many scriptures through the Gospels that declares Jesus' position, his love, and his care for others. Jesus came to this earth for the express purpose of being that ultimate sacrifice. But while he was here, he exampled 
how a Christian should live. When he saw him hungry, he fed him. When he saw him sick, he healed him. And I may be getting ahead of myself here. When he saw him in need, he took care of the need. You say, well, Brother Bruce, today's society, there, and yes, I understand, in today's society, you got a bunch of people out there with their hands out, and they don't no more need anything. They, they're probably making more than you are standing there panhandling because they're not paying taxes or anything else. Okay? I realize that. I realize that. And I'm not one of these that drives up to a red light and, and hands somebody some money. I, I don't do that. But there are plenty of needs around me that I see all the time that I know is legitimate. That I can't just walk away from them. You can't either. And I'm not going through telling stories of, of how Don and I have given. And just because we were in a situation and we felt we need to do something. We feel like we need to bless in this situation. We need to do something. And so we would. The spirit that is within you, the Holy Ghost, it will lead you and it will guide you. It will prompt you into the things that you must do or the things that you need to do. There's a reading I want you to listen to. It's quite lengthy. But I think it demonstrates to us the importance of others. And these are all Jesus' words. Matthew 25 he says, when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he sit upon the throne of his glory. And before him shall, he, shall be gathered all the nations and he shall separate them one from another as a shepherd divideth his sheep from the goats. And he shall set the sheep on his right, on his right hand, but the goats on his left. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, Come, ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was and hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison. You came unto me. Then shall the righteous answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave thee drink? When saw we thee a stranger and took thee in, or naked and clothed thee? Or when saw we thee sick or in prison and came unto thee? And the king shall answer and say unto them, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you have done it unto one of the least of these, my brethren, you have done it unto me. Then shall he say also unto them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels, for I was unhungered. And you gave me no meat. You see, this does have something to do with salvation. 
Jesus is teaching this parable. I don't care how much you've talked in tongues. I don't care. I, I, I don't. What's the state of the heart? For I was hungered, and you gave me no meat. I was thirsty. You gave me no drink. I was a stranger. You took me not in naked, and you clothed me not sick and in prison, and you visited me not. Then shall they also answer him, saying, Lord, when saw we thee and hungered, or a thirst, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not minister unto thee? Then shall he answer them, saying, Verily I say unto you, inasmuch as you did it not to one of the least of these, you did it not to me. And these shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. Us loving one another, caring for one another, defending one another, providing for one another, standing with one another in life's pains, difficulties, and disappointments is important to our Lord. I, um, no, let me just move forward. I won't, I won't, I won't rabbit trail right now. But why, why is it so important to the Lord for us to, to, to care about others? It's because he cares for us in the same way. He says, I'm caring for you. I'm taking care of you. Anybody ever, ever got a blessing you didn't ask for? Anybody ever a path was made straight before you ever got to it? And then once you're in the middle of it, you realize, you know, this could have been a mess. But God went ahead of me. God prepared this. He's always watching for us. He's always taking care of us. We are children of the Most High God. He wants us to love and care for one another just as we as parents want our children to get along and show love one loved one to the other. But we, you and me, are the family of God, and every man, woman, boy, and girl is our neighbor. Now let me let me just let me insert here, because I don't want anybody walking out of here on a guilt trip tonight. You got moochers. There's more moochers today than there's ever been. And that's my word. You probably have another word or two that you, you, you want to call them. I remember years ago, and y'all remember this, those who've been members of this church for a while. We had, in, instead of our best gift offering, we called it uh, Helping Hands. We called it a Helping Hands offering that we took up around Christmas time. And you gave to it so, so liberally. And, I mean, it would be multiple thousands of dollars that you would give. And, and what we did, and this was back when Sister Elise was secretary, I believe, maybe even Sister Beverly during that time. What we did was we would, we would hold that money, and when people would get in trouble with the utility bills, water bills, we'd pay their utility bill, we'd pay their water bill, their gas bill. We'd buy some groceries if they needed groceries. Um... And this worked very, very well for several years. And then all of a sudden, one year, the next to the last year, we made it through about 
two-thirds of the year and ran out of that ran out of money we took that offering up in December of, of that year and by February of March those funds were gone of the next year what we wound up realizing is there was a circuit out there and they learned who would pay their light bill and their water bill and their gas bill. We had them from calling from Woodworth for us to, I don't know if Cleco was giving our name out. I don't know. Now, we never gave the money to the people. We would write the check to the gas company, to Cleco. We, would, we, we, never, we never did that. We never get, but there was a circuit. Here's the thing. We turned down one or two and the call stopped. So what I'm saying, before, you, before I put you on a guilt trip with some of the things I'm going to say tonight, you have to use wisdom. Please, use wisdom. Follow the leading of the Holy Ghost. We've used wisdom. We don't do that no more. <laughs> we, we, we just don't do that. Brother Briggs made it a practice years ago. We never gave money. I had a, whenever we started our security team, one of the things that prompted it was I had a gentleman walk in during Sunday school. And um, they held him off until they could get him to me between services. And right here, he was wanting me to take up an offering for him. That's what he wanted. And I told him, I said, I'm not going to do that. I said, I don't do that. We don't give money. I said, now, I'll make sure you've got some gas in your car. Make sure you've got something to eat. But I'm not giving you money. Well, I don't need gas in my car, and I don't need food. I need money. And he, I mean, he was getting belligerent. And finally, I told him, I said, I will take you and get you some gas and get you something to eat when service is over. Well, you can't go now. And I'm thinking, God, I'm the pastor of the church. We're fixing to start the second service. No, I can't go. And finally, I looked at him very sternly. I said, go sit down, and I will see to you after service. Well, he went straight on out the door. But he was getting agitated. And I thought, you know what? I don't want to deal with this. We got, we got some pretty big boys in this church. And they're well commissioned to take care of these kind of problems. And I don't have to deal with it. But you got those kind of people. They're constantly, they're takers. They're not givers. Discern the difference between a need and a taker. Um, as Christians... Now I'll get back in my Bible study. As Christians, we are ambassadors of God. People is our business. That is our business. We pray for those that despitefully use us. We do that. Even people like that guy, we pray for them. We're to love our enemies. We're supposed to do that. We bless them that curse us. We do good, do good to them that hate us. And when they smite us on one cheek, we're to give them the other also. 
And each of these that I've just listed and more are Jesus' words to us from Matthew 5, verses 38 through 44, I think it is. You see, when, when we do the right thing in a situation, someone has despitefully used you, and you go ahead and pray for them, or you know they're their enemy, you're their, they are your enemy, so you love them anyway. Those that curse us, you go ahead and bless them. You go ahead and do good to them that hate us. And those that have, have taken advantage of you, and either physically or figuratively, they have smitten you on the cheek, and you turn the other. In other words, what I'm saying, you didn't get even. Because there's a scripture that tells us, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. If Jesus can hang on the cross and say, Father, forgive them, they know not what they do. He set an example for you and me. Don't waste your time on those that want to be argumentative. Just bless them and walk away. Just be good to them. Don't argue back. Just, you know, I love you anyhow. And leave them in the hands of God. I learned, I learned that lesson a long time ago from a little different angle. Now, I've, I've said this many times, but growing up as a teenager, going through my rebellious years, mom used to say, okay, you don't want to do what's right. I'll turn you over to God. And when God gets through you, you'll be glad to do what's right. There's some people today that need mamas like my mama was. Yeah, but that's a hard thing for us to do is to turn our kids over to God. and Especially when you begin to see things going wrong. And you're saying, oh, now God, no way, I didn't mean for you to do that to them, you know. But he knows what needs to be done. He knows what it takes to get their attention. Okay, that wasn't in my notes. Each of us, each of these that I just named, they're Jesus' words. But why are our actions toward others considered holiness? Matthew 25, 40 says, The king shall answer and say unto them, Verily, verily, or verily I say unto you, Inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. When you've given a cup of water, when you've blessed a hungry mouth, when you've encouraged someone. And you know what? I'm not just talking about people outside. There's people that walked in here tonight that needed an encouraging word. Before you leave tonight, if you need an encouraging word, somebody's going to probably speak it to you because that's what we do. That's what we do. We're to be sensitive to, to those around us. We're, we're not to try to get even. We're not to try to show our authority. We're not to try to show that we're better than. We're not better than. In fact, whenever the, the disciples decided, you know, 
Lord, me and my brother, one of us would like to sit on one side and one of them would like to sit on the other. And the other disciples is getting jealous watching this conversation take place. Jesus told him, none of you want to, are capable of drinking the cup I'm going to drink. But he went on to let them know, no, the greatest among you will be the one that serves. The lowest servant. I've often said, and you, you've heard it, and now I've even hear some of you saying it, the kingdom of God is upside down from what, we, from what man thinks. The last to be first, the least is the greatest. That's the kingdom. That's what we do. You know what? Whenever you discipline yourself and you live in that, in that frame of mind, you just feel better at the end of the day. You really do. When you've done it to the least of these, you've done it unto me. We are ambassadors of heaven. We represent him in this present world. Again, I go back to WWJD. What would Jesus do? That was such an important phrase that got into our, in, into our system in the 80s all through America. WWJD, what would Jesus do? If we would filter every decision, if we would filter every response through that, I wonder if I would say what I want to say to the person at the checkout stand or the, or the waitress at the table. or I've, ha I've had them come basically throw my plate on the table. Don and I have looked at each other and said, well, this must not be a good day for them. <laughs> it wasn't that they were mad at us. Ain't no telling what somebody said to them back in the kitchen as they were getting ready to come out. I mean, I know they don't have to take it out on me. But I don't need to remind them of that. I think the proper response for me is to feel sorry for them and bless them and pray for them. I don't have to stop them, grab their hands, and let me pray for you. It looks like you're having a bad day. <laughs> that may not work. So I just quietly bless them and I mean, that's what we do. Because our text tonight, the anchor text for this whole series is, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Handle it the way God would handle it. Handle it the way Jesus would handle it. And I think we, we sometimes feel like he's so holy that, well, I just can't be like Jesus. Well, what's wrong with trying? Try to be like Jesus. That's what's important. What he does and how he does it can be defined as holiness unto the Lord. His actions are holy toward others. Ours must be also. I can't look at someone's unfortunate situation and the, then begin to plan as to how I can take advantage of them for my benefit or my increase. I hate to say this. I have seen that in the business world on, on numerous occasions. See, a, a, a business person 
that is struggling and all of a sudden it's like the gathering of the vultures that's ready to consume because they see them going down for the last time. However, I've seen it happen in churches. And I have seen churches. I've just been in this a long time. I've seen churches that would be going through a major problem, difficulty. And it looked like that thing's fixing to explode and go in 90 different directions. And all of a sudden, other churches around would be just like vultures trying to glean off the good people out of that congregation. God's not pleased with that. In fact, if, if, if you're responsible for, for doing something like that, you're going to pay for it. You will. We're not to take advantage of anybody. If we're to do anything, give. Give. The word says give, and it shall be given unto you, pressed down, shaken together, running over. You'll never give so much that, that you won't get more back than you gave. You can't outgive God. And I'm talking about in money, I'm talking about in time, I'm talking about in, in, in just loving and caring other people. If you've given yourself away to others, I promise you God's going to give himself back to you. It's just the way it goes. I can't take advantage of somebody. I'm a protector and a defender of others. That's who God has called me to be. That's who God has called you to be. We're protectors of others. We are to care for them just as he cares for us. John the Beloved writes to us in very intimate terms how we should feel about one another and why. And I'm reading from 1 John, and I'm reading it from the NIV. 1 John 4, he says, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Are you catching this? John is saying if we don't love others, we don't know God. Now listen as John reveals God's love for us. And I, love, and, I, and I chose to read this from the NIV because of this particular passage. Because it really breaks it down. And this is what John says. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. God sent his one and only son. This is love. God sent his son for mine and your benefit. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Since we believe Jesus is God manifest in the flesh. Another interpretation I could, I could put here is God loved us more than he loved himself.
God didn't wait for us to love him. He loved us first, knowing we would fail, knowing we would do all kinds of God-forsaken stuff. God's not waiting for others to love us before we... God is not waiting for others to love us before we love them. No, we love first. The love, God's love in our heart for others opens the door for them to feel loved and hopefully they will love God and love us in return. Now verse 11 and 12 says this, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Isn't that beautiful? But now listen to the other side of this. And it's just a few verses down, verse 20. If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. <laughs> For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. I can hear some thoughts. Well, Bruce, this is, it's not that I don't love them after what they've done. I just can't tolerate them. I think we, we, we can all say we've been there. Okay? But listen, do you know what's really being said here? Remember, if anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, okay? The word hate comes from the Greek word meseo, meseo, and that's Grant Parish accent included. That's the Greek word. But it means, it can mean hatred. But it also means to detest, possibly even to per persecute, or to just love less. That changes what just, if anyone says, I love God, yet detest his brother, he's a liar. Or if anyone says, I love God, yet loves less his brother, he is a liar. Now, I can understand that word hate because we use that word hate, but when you go back to the word it was interpreted from, from the Greek scrolls, you understand it's not just hate. So whenever you say, well, it, I just can't tolerate them. My brother, my sister, let me tell you something. Jesus says, love them that persecute you. Love them that despitefully use you. Do. Pray for them. And I mean, he, he went through a litany of things that he told us to do. To not hold a grudge. Leave it alone, he's saying. Leave it alone. Let me take care of it. Here's the deal. Those people at some point going to fall apart. And they're going to need a place to fall. And if you have been their judge and jury, they're not going to come to you. Well, shall I say, if you've been their judge, jury, and executioner, they're not going to come to you. But regardless of what happened,
This, this word meseo takes in a lot of territory. Verse 21 says, And he has given us this command, Whoever loves God must also love his brother. Folks, I have lived some of the things that I'm teaching. Don and I have walked through some things. I've had literally, as a pastor, we have literally had people that tried to get us kicked out. Some of you know about some of those things. I mean, not that you were a part of it, but you know who I'm talking about. But the greatest reward for me was when one of them came and just fell in my living room floor, grabbed my hands and put my hands on his head, and he said, would you please pray that God would forgive me? I lied on you. Would you please pray that God would forgive me? They're going to fall apart somewhere. Something's going to happen in their life. I would, I would want to believe that the church would be the place or the people of the church would be the place that they would be safe to come and fall apart on. Now, I believe in tough love. Please understand me. There's some people that you do all you can to help them and they just keep taking and they keep taking and they keep taking. At some point, you have to stop. But that doesn't mean you stop loving or you stop praying or you stop blessing. You just may quit giving them and letting them take advantage of you, but you keep praying for them. Some point, they're going to fall apart. And when they do, it would be good that the church would be the place they can fall. Probably the thought may be running through somebody's mind right now. You mean to tell me if I don't love others, I'm not living in holiness with the Lord? Well, I'm not going to be so bold as to answer that because I'm not the authority on that. But this book, his word spells it out that not loving others is definitely unholy living. If we are to walk in holiness before the Lord, we must walk as he did before others. Jesus had compassion on others. He went out of his way to go to Samaria to meet a prostitute at a well. He touched lepers. Oh, I love this. He touched lepers when society said it was unclean to touch them. Can you imagine how they longed for a human touch? And he reached out and touched them. He stopped at the pool of Bethesda to heal a man that had been there 38 years waiting for the troubling of the water. He took time to set a demonic free. Jesus had places to go and multitudes to teach, but the moment he heard a blind man saying, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped what he was doing and he healed the man. Jesus was never too busy. Jesus was all about others. If we represent him in this present world, then we must be about others. When opportunity presents itself, we are not to turn our backs because someone is not like us. 
If opportunity presents itself, step in the way of opportunity and be what Jesus would be and do what Jesus called you to do. That is holiness before the Lord. And in closing, I could have gone down a list of sins that man commits as I discuss what with you his thoughts this thought holiness from the inside out I, I could have gone through a litany of of uh, of things that would, would have come directly out of the Ten Commandments I have no other God before me you know uh, yes loving people but uh, stealing murdering you know things that reflect the inner man I could have gone down and I could have listed each one. I could have given you scriptures and said, this is why we shouldn't do this, we didn't, shouldn't do that. But a list of sins is not what we need. Holiness from the inside out is humanity walking in unity with the spirit that already dwells within us. If it is contrary to the spirit of Christ, if it is offensive to the spirit, if it is in the opposition, if it is in opposition with Christ's teaching, then it is unholy. And it will prevent you from seeing Christ. I think that's important because I'm afraid sometimes we, we think all we've got to do is just make sure we're still talking in tongues. Talking in tongues is a wonderful thing. It is. You've heard, you've heard me say, I never heard my mom speak in tongues. I never heard Brother Briggs speak in tongues. And there was a time between the time that I received the Holy Ghost at 12 or 13. I can't remember exactly how old I was. But from then... So sometime in the 80s, I was a card-carrying preacher, and I had only spoken in tongues two or three times. And I started praying earnestly, God, give me the liberty to speak in tongues. Because I just felt like as a minister, that, that would be a good thing to have. You know what? God honored my request. But I can't say I felt any more spiritual because I spoke in tongues. What I felt in my connection with Him was what was in my heart. Not the tongues that was coming out of my mouth. Because I've seen the superficiality of people just talking in tongues and then going right out the door and doing the same thing they've been always been doing. And I've wondered, how can that be? So my point to you tonight, I've got to make sure this heart is in unity with him. That I'm walking hand in hand, living according to his precepts. Living according to the things that... that he considers important. I know you're not going to take a candy bar from the cash register and slip it in the grocery store and slip it in your purse. 
Oh, they won't miss that. No, they won't. But it's not the right thing to do. That reflects something even deeper in the heart. So tonight, if it is contrary to the spirit of Christ, if it is offensive to the spirit, if it is in opposition with Christ's teachings, then it is unholy. And without holiness, no man will see the Lord. Above everything else, I got to be saved. Above everything else, I've got to be right with God. There's a song that we used to sing that song. And above all else, I must be saved. And I would sing it for you if I could remember the rest of it. I remember that. That's it. But my point tonight is, God created me a clean heart and give me a right spirit. Father, I give you thanks tonight for your love, for your grace. Thank you for this group of people. I hope I didn't mess this up too much. I pray that you will take the things that I said, let them glean from the things that you want them to glean from. and The things that I fail to make clear, I pray that you will, by your hand, O oh God, make it clear in their hearts and their minds. Because more than anything else, we must please you in all that we say or do. I ask you to guide us, lead us, direct us. And those are not just words. I do. I ask you to guide us, lead us, and direct us. Bring us back at your appointed time. And I pray for a mighty outpouring of your spirit in our service on Sunday. May the Holy Ghost move in this place in a great way. And I give you thanks and I give you praise. In Jesus' name we pray.